This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Yes, that's right. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max brought to you by Bastion GRP. For all your specialist needs in recruiting, engineering and defence, go to bastiongrp.com. Joining me is Western Bulldog superstar Adam Trelaw. Adam, it's an absolute honour to have you on. How are you? Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's exciting to uh, to be on. Um, I'm going well, thank you. No worries. What's the uh, off-season had in store for you so far? Um, oh, it feels like forever ago that I was actually playing. Um, it's been, what, I think two months now. So, oh, what have I done? I've had off-season surgery. Um, I, uh, I've gone to Bali, come back from Bali with the family, and, and now I'm up here in Brisbane with my partner and my daughter um, and just spending most of the off-season up here now. What was surgery like and, I guess, the recovery process for that? Uh, I just had an ankle. I essentially just have had an ankle clean out. So, yeah. Um, Oh, the time frame is typical one. Like it's usually about six to eight weeks. I'd say about six weeks till you can start proper running, and then, um, yeah. But then just build from there. But there's no real rush. Obviously, we come back prior to Christmas, and then, um, and then yeah, we we obviously have a break during Christmas, and then try and uh, reload from there. So I, I'd imagine my uh, build up to the Christmas break won't be too uh, extreme, considering. Uh, how many years I've been around now and how old I am now. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a slow slow build-up for me, but um, one that I uh, definitely don't take for granted considering, uh, as I said, it's uh, now my 12th, 13th season. How have you viewed the trade period with guys like, I guess, James Harms and Nick Caulfield coming into the club? Oh, it's an exciting one. It's a uh, absolutely uh, exciting time for us. Um, uh, we've been pretty open about how frustrating it um, a year we had obviously this past season and, and probably the year before that as well considering the group of guys that we have on in our team um, and the capabilities that each individual have so um, it's exciting uh, now to bring in you know cal- uh, the caliber player of, of James Harms and the experience that he's been able to um, you know have during his career being a Melbourne Premiership player played over 100 and you know I'm, I'm not sure if he's played 150 but he'd be almost there so um, him and obviously Nick Cofield as well, who you know has showed um, plenty of uh, of capabilities and and great amount of talent. And um, he, I know he's been um, you know hit down with a bit of injury during his career, but when he's played, he's looked an absolute class. So yeah. um, two quality players that we're extremely excited about having. And, and then obviously we look forward to the draft. I know we've got a few um, picks in the draft, so. Yeah, looking forward to adding some players to our group and um, hopefully, uh, yeah, it can be the start of something special for us next season. So I want to get into, I guess, a bit about your journey. Can you tell me a bit about your childhood and I guess what growing up was like for you? Oh, my childhood. Um, oh, well, I grew up in Dandenong um, in Victoria. So, yeah, it was a uh, – oh, I'm, I've been pretty open about my childhood. I didn't really have uh, much growing up and, um, you know, the only thing I really could uh, – come back to was my family and that was one thing um my really close friends who I'm close with now to this day and footy they were probably the three things and other than that there wasn't really much going for me so um yeah I got to about the age of 12 13 where I really um focused in on my footy and realized that this is a sport or something that I have an ability at so maybe I should just you know essentially throw all my eggs in one basket and just have a crack at footy and that's what I did at the young age and and, and thankfully and, and truly grateful that um, my journey has panned out the way it has. But 
I can't even imagine what I'd be doing if I hadn't played footy. So, um, yeah, grew up pretty rough in Dandenong and um, was fortunate enough to, to go through the ranks and get drafted out of the Dandenong Stingrays. Noble Park was my, my junior footy club. Um, and then, yeah, have a uh, have a 12-plus year career and, and still going in the AFL. So, um, yeah, it's been a unique one for me, but hopefully plenty left in the tank. What player were you like as a kid? Well, so who did I, what did I play like? Um, yeah. Oh, that's a funny one because I was actually pretty tall for my age. So I was commonly, you know, one of the three to four tallest players in the team. And believe it or not, my aerial ability was probably my biggest strength. So I used to take <laughs> a lot of marks. So if you were to ask any of my junior teammates, it was um, my one would. So if uh, if my teammates got the ball and they looked up and they seen me in a pack versus one of my teammates by themselves – 90% of the time, they just kick it to me because they knew I'd take a mark in the pack. So yeah. um, I lost that ability really quickly, um, especially when I didn't grow. So that was probably my strength. And then obviously my speed, I've always had speed. So um, that was something that I was also good at as well. But yeah, I'd actually say my aerial ability was probably something that um, stood out from uh, from the rest. What about, I guess, when you stopped growing and sort of came back to, I guess, the pack yeah. in terms of... Growth-wise, I guess probably through your teen years, um, for that matter of fact, how did you kind of adjust your game to that? Yeah, it's a good one because, um, yeah, well, you're right. So when I was about 16, that was probably kind of when my aerial side, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, started to realise that there was a lot of big guys in these, um, you know, elite talent programs that I was in, like the AOS and the Danong Stingrays and and then obviously drafts to the Giants. So my biggest my biggest one would was probably my speed. So, um you know, being able to utilise that whenever I got the footy, that was something that I, I tried to do quite a bit of. Um, I think I had a lot of untapped potential with um, my power around the ball. So what I mean by that is I mean my, my ability to get in and out of stoppage as a clearance player. And yep. that was probably one of my, uh, I guess, as I said, untapped potential where if I if I tapped into it a little bit and spent a little bit more time on, on working on, you know, little things that I could do to get better, um, whether that is separation from my from my opponent or getting on the move a little bit um, quicker or, or or being a bit a little bit more reactive to the guy that I'm on, that was some things that, that were things that I really focused on around the age of 16, 17, 18 to to help me for when I actually did get drafted. So yeah, that were probably the things that I feel like um, outside of the aerial stuff that really you know separated myself from the other players. And I think one thing that I learned around the age of 16, 17, 18, and I learned this from guys like Matty Lloyd and Tom Harley, Michael O'Loughlin, who were my mentors in the um, ASAFL Academy, was just work rate. And mm-hmm. I was someone who, um, you know, I'd be the first to admit when I was that age, I definitely didn't work hard enough in terms of what I mean, work hard enough, I mean in an actual game, you know, working back up and up and up and back as a half forward, as a midfield or whatever position it was, I just didn't work hard enough. And, yeah, I remember there was a game in the AOS where I played and my feedback was I just didn't work hard enough. And I remember that stuck with me. So that was something that I focused on as well and something that I can promise myself that I have done ever since then. You mentioned before trying to, I guess, add that power and bursting out of stoppage to your game through the ages of 16, 17 and 18. How did you really try and do that? Well, one thing was I watched a lot of vision. Um, I was someone who watched a lot of vision. So I watched guys like, um, well, my idol was Chris Judd growing up. I was a big Carlton fan and loved him. So I watched guys like him. Paddy Dangerfield was coming through at that time. 
Um, they're probably the two that stick out the most from an explosive point of view. But I think um, for me, it was probably I naturally had the talent. You know, yeah. there's players that, you know, I'm a true believer is you can get better maybe five, oh, two, three, four, five percent in terms of positioning, but there's players that are just naturally gifted and talented at it. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to have the speed. So what I worked on was just little things that would help me in terms of my body positioning and where I want to be at a stoppage. So whether it's on, you know, if there's someone who's bigger and stronger than me, probably getting back shoulder, being able to push him under and then work my way away from him, if you know what I mean, yeah. versus someone who's probably the same size as me, where I could probably be a little bit more adventurous, get front position, use my my electricity and my speed away from him from a front position. So they were probably little things that I worked on. I think I spent a lot of time with, um, with James McDonald um, and and Mark Choco Williams at the Giants when I was seventeen on on a lot of that stuff. And yeah. you know that that worked wonders for me. Um, and then I think the third thing was just having the confidence that I could do it. So, you know, not feeling rushed, you know, when, when I'm in that position and getting the ball or being in that position, not feeling rushed or antsy to get to the ball. It's more having the confidence to, you know, uh, create that space and then really go. So, yeah, I know it's it's hard to put it into words. I know I've just kind of rambled on a little bit, but it's kind of, they're kind of, when I think back to that age, is the mindset that I had and the things that I worked on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can you talk us about playing for, I guess, Vic Country in the uh, under-18 championships? Yeah, that was a, a great time. I played, obviously, 16 and 18s, won the, uh, won the carnival, both age groups. So, mm-hmm. uh, 16s, we won, played out at Blacktown, were undefeated, had a really, really good team. Nathan Buckley was our coach. Everyone was, um, you know, it was incredible for uh, Collingwood champion to be our coach. And um, he helped us uh, win that championship. And it was the first one in the Vic Country under 16s for a long, long time. So we're very proud of that. And then the following year, played in the under 18 carnival and um, yeah, which was fortunate enough to win that. And that was another, you know, a thrill for me because these players that I played with, I played with guys like Luke Parker, um, Dyson Heppel. They were all a year older than me um, who were, you know, bound to be superstars. So we had a really exciting group and a great group to obviously win the championship. So they were, you know, proud moments that I have. I've got, I've got my under 16, um, you know, winning uh, jumper um, framed and hung up in my house with the number nine. I wore the number nine. So yeah. uh, something that I'm extremely proud of. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess you came back to the 2010 under-18 championships and just had an incredible tournament and names on the half-forward flank for team of the year. Can you tell me a bit about this experience and what knowledge that kind of gave you heading into an AFL career? Yeah, yeah, uh, you've done your research. That's uh, well done, well done, Maxie. Um, no, that was a. It was actually a shock because I was a bottom major, so I think I was only one of a few um, bottom majors in the team. So um, I was quite shocked to actually make it. But no, I think it just gave me really good confidence that um, you know what I was doing was kind of working. And yeah, uh, fortunately enough, at the start of that year, I had already been told I was getting drafted to the Giants at the end of that year. So. I already knew I was going to get drafted as an AFL player. So I didn't really have much stress. And I think that was probably reflective of my footy where I was able to let my strengths shine. As we've just touched on speed and power, that was probably my strengths. And um, when I think back to that carnival, being able to do that um, in front of, you know, recruiters, but also against guys that I've just mentioned, um, Luke Parker, Mitch Allen, but there was guys like Harley Bunnell who won the the player of the carnival um, 
David Swallow, these guys who were absolute superstars. So um, to be able to hold my own and, um, yeah, have that experience, it was something that I, I think I held with me going into getting drafts to the Giants. So um, very fond memories of, of those Vic Country days. So I guess all these experience, like the TAC Cup and I guess playing in the under-18 championships too and with the Danny Dong Stingrays, I guess, add to and create the footballer that you are now? Oh, definitely, mate. I um, Yeah, definitely, I think, early days. I think I've learnt um, a lot as I've gone through footy and realised that um, there's a lot more than just playing the game. There's obviously a lot that comes, um, you know, between the eyes in terms of the mental side. Um, you know, that's been probably a big challenge uh, later on in my career where early days it's just the thrill of playing and, and the excitement of playing. But, yeah, to I guess to to what you've just said, yeah, I, I definitely felt like it was uh, it helped shape me be um, the player that I wanted to be early. Um, I've had to adjust a little bit in, in terms of my body and, um, you know, where uh, sometimes my body has let me down and, and I've really battled and struggled in some years and I've had to change the way that I've wanted to play. But largely, it's, it's played a massive impact. And I feel like it just helped me grow quicker. You know, yeah. I got drafted when I was 17 and I had to settle up in, in Sydney when I was 17 and it really helped me settle in there at the age of 17. And, and then my experiences as a 17, 18-year-old up in Sydney with Mark Williams and, and James McDonald, Kevin Sheedy, they were invaluable for me and, and some things that really helped shape me, you know, and helped me grow confidence going through my AFL career early. So, yeah, to, to answer what you said, I think it definitely helped shape me early, but um, as we've gone, it's definitely changed a little bit. Talk us through, I guess, the 17-year-old Adam Trelaw and what he's thinking as the GWS Giants approach him to be part of their inaugural side. Um, oh, I was a very anxious kid, very, very anxious kid, um, to the point where I had a bit of OCD. I was quite um, anxious and, and I had I, I suffered quite a bit of anxiety without even knowing it. Um, I've been open and honest about that later on in my career, but when I was young, it was something that I was pretty naive towards. And, um, yeah, to be honest, I was uh, – I was felt like way out of my depth. But it's funny because I've just spoken about the amount of confidence that I had. I think internally I had a lot of that confidence because, you know, there was a, a bit of me that knew that I could, you know, play with these guys. But yeah, from the outside, 80% of me was, um, you know, to put it uh, in an honest way, shitting myself. You know, I, I just felt like I wasn't, you know, I just felt like I didn't deserve to be here. I didn't belong here. And that was something that I just have always lived with. So the 17-year-old self moving to Sydney, moving away from my family, obviously didn't have much. Being on my own, it was quite daunting for me. And, yeah, I uh, I struggled immensely. You know, early days I struggled a lot. There was times when I wanted just to go back to Victoria and, and pack it up and, and just, you know, be home and play footy with my mates back home and, and just, you know, try and play footy in Melbourne. But um, there was a lot of uh, fire inside of me deep down that didn't want to do that and didn't want to give up on something that had been um, – you know, given to me and, and something that I'd earned over such a long amount of time. So when the Giants did come and tell me, you know, extremely excited, was, was you know, externally showing it, was pumped with deep down. I was, um, yeah, I was quite anxious and, you know, struggling a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's crazy how it's all panned out and how my career's panned out. But I think back to that innocent 17-year-old and there's a lot I'd love to, uh, I'd love to tell him now as a 30-year-old. But, um, yeah, you live and you learn. What would you tell him? Oh, I'd tell him to probably appreciate it. Not appreciate. Oh, 
that the word? Yeah, probably appreciate and, and enjoy it a little bit more. Um, as I said, I was very anxious and, and, and suffered a lot and with my anxiety and um, I just didn't appreciate being in Sydney and, and playing, you know, in a professional environment at such a young age. And I just was so serious and so driven and so motivated that I let it overwhelm me. And yeah. as I said, I had a bit of OCD. That was probably how I showed it. And, you know, I um, I don't even remember how bad my OCD was because that's just the frame of mind that I was in. Um, but I know if I talked to my teammates back then, they would say I would do some funny stuff where it just wouldn't be me. So, yeah, I'd just probably tell myself to relax a little bit more and appreciate a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. I definitely appreciated it and I loved the guys that I played with and I learned a lot of guys like Toby Green and Steve Coniglio and um, Dylan Shield and Devin Smith and Tom Bug, these guys that I loved playing with there. Jeremy Cameron, another one. Um, but I definitely would tell myself to relax a little bit more and, and appreciate it a little bit more. So was that perform- anxiety, I guess, sort of had to do with performance anxiety in a way? Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. I think I'd say 70, 30. I'd say 70, 70% would be performance anxiety because yeah. obviously such a driven person and athlete, I, I just always wanted to achieve and not let myself down or my family down. But mm. I'd say 30% of that was just anxiety in general and it was just more of a reflection of kind of how I'd been brought up. You know, as I said, I didn't have much. I didn't, you know, didn't have anything really. And I uh, I um, worked really hard, but I always felt like I kind of didn't belong because others had a lot more than what I did. And that was just what I grew up and, you know, how, you know, my memories. And um, that was probably what stuck with me. So I always had that, always had that in back of my mind. No matter what I would do, whether it was playing footy or at school or, you know, doing athletics, I just always had that anxiety. So, um, yeah, I think as I got drafted, a lot of it then turned to performance anxiety. But then as I got going and my career started to pan out, it kind of, the performance anxiety went away and it was just more anxiety in general. So it's funny how it's all worked out. But, yeah, early days was definitely largely um, performance anxiety. You talk us through your debut in round three for the Giants in 2012. That would have been just, I can imagine, a, a surreal experience for you. It was, yeah, it was. It was round three, obviously. I, I missed the first two games through injury, unfortunately. And um, I watched on as our boys played Sydney and North Melbourne and, um, and then, yeah, round three, I came back from injury and I was able to play. And, yeah, look, very fond memories. Obviously, um, I uh, I know we were about 10 goals to nothing down at quarter time, which wasn't overly fun. Luke Shuey kicked five, I think, they, or six maybe. They won by about 90 in the end. But it was uh, it was an absolute thrill to run out. I had my family there. I was able to kick a goal in the last quarter in my first game. And, um, you know, those, those, uh, those days and... Um, that year, I think every game was kind of a celebration for each individual because we pretty much had a debutant each round because we were obviously a foundation team and a new team. Yeah. So um, that was how it felt for me. And, um, you know, I uh, it was just a... So, Adam, can you talk us through kicking your first goal in your first game of AFL footy? What was that like? Yeah, that was um, in my first game. So it was in the last quarter. The game was well and truly over. They'd um, put the cue in the rack for the Eagles. But, yeah, yeah got, on the, got on the end of a uh, handball chain and, and Cogsy gave me the ball. And, yeah, I was able to kick goal. And um, similar to the feeling you get running out for your first game, it was the exact same as kicking your first goal, just something that you dreamed of um, your whole life. And, yeah, to, to be able to do it was something that, yeah, there's goals that you always remember um, throughout your career. And don't know how many I've kicked. I've kicked over 100. But, um you know, only a handful stick out, and that's definitely one of them being your first goal. 
So what were those first few years for yourself at GWS like? Obviously being a foundation club, and you mentioned before probably having in your first year a new debutant every week. What were that that first year and first few years in particular like? Um, oh, it's hard because from the outside, it probably looked like it was a real challenge, and it was. We only won three games in our first two years. We won two in our first year and one in our second year. And that was until round 19. And we'd won the previous year in round 19, I think. So we went like 22 games without winning. So um, from the outside, it may have looked like doom and gloom, but it was just, it just wasn't. I mean, we we obviously wanted to win. That's why, you know, first round draft picks, we had guys like Chad Corns, Dean Brogan, James McDonald, Luke Power, um, Satanzo Halpin, guys come in and play um, who'd, been a part of successful footy clubs and we all wanted to win, no doubt. But those guys were there to help fast track our development as youngsters and the youngsters were just thrilled to be playing um, and getting that experience. And and no doubt it was burning us, but we were just enjoying being able to go out there and play. And um, yeah, we were going out there and playing and um, we we had a smile on our face. And um, I know a lot of people talk talk about how chirpy we were early days. Um, (laughs) And we definitely were because, um, you know, we were very confident kids but um yeah i feel like it helped a lot of the young guys coming through um uh, appreciate winning a lot more and definitely helped me appreciate winning when i eventually started to win games with obviously the giants in my third and fourth year and then obviously at collingwood and the bulldogs and i definitely know it would have helped toby and and cogsy and jezza and Sheely and these guys who experienced those tough losses that we had but in reality, we were really enjoying just being able to play and, and learn and experience and, and come up against quality opposition. And, um, you know, although it was tough not winning, um, it was something, uh, games that were kept with us um, invaluably. It was, you know, experiences that we went through and uh, ones that we had to appreciate um, going forward. How fun was that just to play footy with some of your best mates? Yeah, it was great. It was great. I and mean, as I said, we wanted to win. Um, we definitely wanted to win, but... At the end of the day, it was it was great, and and we knew that, um, you know, we were going to be a really good team. And obviously, left in two thousand and fifteen, we won I think ten game, ten or eleven games that year, and obviously moved on to the Pies after that. But I watched closely and Barry's closely, and and I know sixteen they obviously made the prelim and, and were five points away from, you know, making the grand final, and then have, I think, been the most successful club in terms of playing finals ever since. They mm. seem to not miss, and that's a reflection of the early years in, in the system for a lot of those guys and the program that um, has been set up for them. And, and it's a, it was a true honour to play for the Giants. And it definitely, as I said, as I said, it definitely helped shape not only me, but um, the whole footy club and the players there who are still playing now and the guys that have obviously moved on to other clubs definitely helped shape them um, and appreciate winning. So can you talk us through your decision to move over to Collingwood? Yeah, I just wanted to, I just felt like it was a time to, to move home and and um, be around my family. That was, um, yeah, that was why I moved. That was, um, you know, that was the, the whole reason and it was an opportunity for me and um, I took it and, yeah, it was great getting back to Melbourne and, and being around my family and um, there was a, a group of people that I missed uh, enormously and um, my friends and it was always a dream of mine to be able to play AFL, obviously, in Victoria and, and um, I did, and I took that opportunity, and um, yeah, I, uh, I landed at Collingwood. It was a um, it was a great run at Collingwood that I had. What's it like first day you walk into Collingwood? Legends, uh, I guess, around the club, like Scott Pendlebury, Steel Sidebottom. What do you make of it all? 
yeah, it was um, another daunting experience for me. Obviously, I was 22 at the time and um, just wanted to make a really good impression. And, um, you know, obviously, you mentioned Scott Pendlebury, Steelo, Dane Swan was still there, Travis Cloak, um, Premiership players like Nathan Brown, Jared Blair. Um, there was a lot of guys who, uh, Brett McCaffer, these guys that, um, you know, had a great uh, reputation and had some great experiences. And, yeah, it was very daunting for me, obviously, going from a foundation club to, you know, one of the biggest clubs in, in Australia. It was, um, yeah, it was daunting but exciting. And, um, you know, I loved every moment I, I spent there. But, yeah, that first year was probably one of the more exciting years for me um, to be able to play in front of the crowds that we did and playing Anzac Day and, um, you know, then playing the big freeze games. And, yeah, yeah, then just playing big games was always exciting for me. I guess did Nathan Buckley have any influence or impact on, I guess, your decision to go to Collingwood, obviously having him as a coach um, as a young kid? Yeah, definitely, definitely. He was a, an enormous impact in the reason on why I want to go. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, um, yeah I, I love the fact that I could play under him and um, he could coach me. As I said, I had him at um, Vic Country and thoroughly enjoyed uh, my time at Vic Country with him and, and, and that was the exact same at Collingwood. And, and yeah, it was a massive reason for me going there and, and I love playing underneath him. So 2017, you guys finished 13th and then go into the grand final the next year, what changed and was there any change in how you guys went about it over that off-season and internally at the club? Um, oh, I think just we always had the belief. It was just kind of putting it together and, um, you know, I guess not worrying about the result. Yeah. I think we probably worried about the result a little bit too much in 17. I mean, it's hard to think now, six years later, but I think we just, yeah, worried about the result a little bit too much and just, just didn't trust the process and, um, we, we started to do that a little bit more and, and, and that was reflective in our footy and reflective in our enjoyment. And, you know, when you start to string some games together and win games, you, you build this great belief and confidence. And, you know, going into that final series, I had a great belief that, you know, we, we could be a genuine chance to challenge and win it. And ultimately we didn't, but it was, um, you know, probably that year in 2021 and my two favourite years that I've experienced at AFL level, I just loved you know, playing week in, week out in 18. Um, obviously suffered a big hamstring injury, but still yeah. going into the club every week, it was something that I just loved doing. And um, I look back on that group of guys and, um, you know, loved playing with each and every single one of them and loved coming to the club with them. Absolutely. Talk us through, I guess, trusting the process and not looking too far ahead in terms of finals or grand finals and things like that. How much easier does it make it, I guess, for yourself and, I guess, clubs you've been a part of when you just take it day by day and week by week? Yeah, yeah, it, it's a big one because it, it can be really challenging because you obviously can sometimes look at your group or your list, for instance, and be like, oh, well, you know, I don't see how we lose. And you can be caught up in, you know, thinking, oh, we'll win this game, we'll win this game, we'll win this game, then we'll be in this position. And it's just not the way to be, especially not in this day and age of, of our sport. You know, it's such an even competition and, any team on their day can get you. And um, if you don't have the right frame of mind and you're not worrying about, you know, the result, then um, you're going to get caught in, in some bad losses, some bad games, some bad performances. So I think that's what we did a little bit in 2017 and um, even 16 as well. So, you know, we kind of released those shackles a little bit in 18 and, um, you know, from I'd say round four or five onwards, um, we yeah we just didn't look back and we had some great games that 
home and away season, some massive wins. And, and then obviously that final series where we're able to beat the Giants in the semi and, and then obviously Richmond in that big prelim final where obviously Richmond were um, the resounding favourites and rightfully so because they were the, you know, the great Richmond team that they were. Um, to be able to win that game as well, I guess, showed that, um, you know, when we did play our best, we were able to match it with the best. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't uh, wasn't the year for us. But as I said, a great year for us and, and one that I look back fondly on. For 2018, you obviously won the Anzac medal on Anzac Day, which was just an incredible game, really. Can you talk us through that for yourself? Um, oh, yeah, you don't really think about it. Really, to be honest, um, until until uh, oh, you don't really think about it, to be honest at all. I, I mean, I didn't until the siren went, and then I realised the Anzac Day medal actually gets announced. So, um, yeah, I, I just loved playing in the game. I mean, I, I've mentioned, um, you know, in interviews gone by that we all know the biggest game in the calendar outside the grand finals, Anzac Day, and then I think now what's almost rivaling that is is the big freeze game, which is right there as well. So. We were fortunate enough to play in both of those, and the Anzac Day games was a massive drawing card for me um, coming over to Collingwood as well and being able to play in those. And, and you know, I played in, I think I played in four, and, and they were, um, you know, you always remember games. Sorry, you, you don't remember many games um, and you don't remember from start to finish, but there's always a select few games you do, grand finals and big finals, but Anzac Day games, the ones I played in, I remember from start to finish in all of them because they're just, you know, extremely proud moments and, and ones that you just never take for granted and think about how blessed you are to be in that position on that day. So, um, yeah, that 18-1, um, I was just fortunate enough, to, I think, to get on the end of a few goals and I think that's probably what, I guess, got me over the line um, because there was a lot of good players that day on our side. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm truly grateful to have won that I've framed that um, Anzac medal and, and I hang it, I've hung it up proudly in my house. Can you take us inside your memories of those kinds of Anzac Day games or, for example, the big freeze games that and the moments inside those games which are real sticking points for you? Oh, moments, yeah. I, I think, I think um, other than the... 19 game, 2019 um, uh, Anzac Day game, that weren't really close games from what I believe. So that was a really exciting game in terms of the game itself. I think we won by three points. We only just won. Wow. Um, and I, that one sticks out. But I think for me, the biggest thing that sticks out for me is always the the week building up to it um, <laughs> and, and how important it is to, you know, not just the AFL environment in the AFL, just everyone in Australia and, 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 you know, the, the country kind of stands still on Anzac day, which is a great day as an Australian and, 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 uh, and obviously a New Zealand um, person as well to, um, to celebrate and, and, and pay their respects to obviously people or, you know, the soldiers that had fought for us and, and do fight for us now. And it becomes bigger than, footy itself and, and you you realise that as a person and, and you realise that as a player and, and you're just truly grateful to be playing this great game because of the sacrifices that these people have and these people continue to do and have done for us. So um, that's why I loved it and that's what sticks out to me the most. My first Anzac Day game 2016, which was an absolute blowout, but that sticks with me the most because it was the first experience that I had of it. You know, the, the whole build-up, the 20 minutes prior to the game, um, out on the ground, the last post, the the national anthem, everyone standing still, dead quiet in the crowd, um, a minute of silence. It's just spine-tingling stuff and something where you think you're just so 
proud to be an Australian and, um, you know, truly grateful to be in this great country that we live in. And, um, yeah, as I said, I look back fondly on those games. And, and as I said, the big freeze game is is something that is doing the exact same. It's a great cause. Um, Neil, Neil Danaher is obviously a, a true hero in Australia and, and, and the fact that he's still fighting to this day for, um, you know, for, for obviously what he's going through. It's something that I was proud to, to play in those games as well. What were those atmospheres like at those games? Incredible, mate. As I said, I think prelim is probably the best atmosphere you can play in front of because that yep. is pure fans and the 219 prelim against Richmond was the best crowd that I've ever played in front of mm-hmm. um, because it's just 100% true fans where the grand final is obviously a lot of corporate, so it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. But Anzac Day is the, is almost the exact same as as playing in those big prelim um, finals where it's a big home final. I mean, you've got 90,000. I don't think I played in, in front of less than 90,000 on Anzac Day. Um, and, you know, as I said, to to have those games and kick some goals in those games where the crowd goes absolute, you know, berserk and, and celebrates you, it's um, those memories that um, you think back and, yeah, they're, they're ones that you look back proudly on and, um, you know, you, I get shivers thinking about it now. It's just something that... I'm proud to have been able to do, and, and I'll show my um, you know, my daughter one day that I was able to do that. So the 2019 final series, you come up against West Coast in the qualifying final. Sorry, 2018. Um, what was the mindset heading into this game? Oh, well, I think we had, yeah, genuine belief that we were going to do it, and um, you know, we we uh, that that had a measure of that year, and, and they ultimately did in the end as well, but. Um, in the regular season, I think they'd beaten us twice or maybe once, but um, yeah. we definitely felt like we had a lot of confidence going into that game, and I think we were leading the whole way until about oh, five minutes ago in the game where, where Lewis Jetta kicked a goal and ultimately that won in the game. So um, there was a lot of confidence. We had a great great amount of confidence individually. It was my first game back from a hamstring injury that I suffered in round 13, I think it was. So to get back and play that final series, which was my first final in, in my career, I was extremely proud to have done that, and and a lot of us just, you know, relished it. And it was you know, one thing that sticks out to me was the crowd. The crowd was um, unbelievably tough against us. There was 60,000 screaming West Coast fans and nothing more daunting than playing at Perth Stadium in front of a, uh, you know, a Perth-based crowd. And, um, you know, they really get around their footy club there. So, yeah, I, I remember that. That's what sticks out. But, you know, one thing I do remember as well is how inspirational Travis Varco was for us as a teammate who who'd, um, personally had a lot of um, – Troubles that week leading up, he had um, his dear sister pass away um, that past week. And for him to, um, you know, play and, 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 you know, inspirationally have some moments in that game that really stick out to me, it was, yeah, just something that, again, I look back on and, and just get shivers thinking about it because it was just an inspiring moment. I know we didn't win the game, but, um, yeah, it was one of those ones where I feel like, um, you know, we, we left nothing out there and ultimately West Coast was just too good. So to ultimately beat Richmond and then beat GWS, it just would have been an ecstatic atmosphere those next few weeks around the club. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, um, yeah, it was our first final series in a long time since 2012. I'd never played one. A lot of us hadn't played one before. So, um, you know, once we beat Richmond in the prelim, we had some great confidence going into the granny. We knew obviously playing the Eagles and we watched them closely beat Melbourne in the prelim and, um, yeah, we, we felt like we um, we started him well enough throughout the week to look at where we can get better in the in from the qualifying final, and 
you know, we started the game like a house on fire, but um, yeah, we weren't obviously able to win. But yeah, the the feeling around the club, the amount of, you know, you've seen this year the amount of support Collingwood get and the crowds they get and the Magpie yeah. Army that comes out and supports them, mate. That was just something that I cherish. You know, having the Magpie Army fully support us and support me, it was, you know, well memories that just stick out. I mean, walking down the street, going to open training sessions, there was thousands and thousands of people there. So. Um, the grand final parade as well was just incredible. So how do you just try and soak in moments like that, especially in grand final week in the lead up to the game? Oh, oh it, it's hard to be honest. Um, sometimes you find yourself getting lost, especially the main session prior to, and then obviously the grand final parade. But you just try and stay as grounded as possible. Um, probably not change too much in terms of your, your preparation and your build up. And I don't think we changed much at all. We, we didn't. We went in with the same mindset, the same preparation, um, obviously unique being the, the grand final week. But, yeah, we didn't change anything. And um, it really put us in good stead going into the game and um, obviously didn't win. But, yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a somewhat normal build up for us. And I think that was reflective of our year. We just didn't let um, – we didn't worry about the result too much. And that's why we were in the position that we were in. So I want to get into 2020 and the bubble year, um, obviously COVID and things like that. What was that like, um, I guess, for yourself, the guys in the club? And I guess how bizarre was that? Yeah, it was oh, extremely tough and bizarre. Um, oh, mate, it seems like a, a long time ago, but um, it was only three years ago. But to actually go through that and the fact that we lived through that was crazy. We obviously, round one got postponed in front of no one and then we had to stay at home for, for two months train by ourselves. So that was... That was a challenge, and, and for me, it was even more challenging because Kim and I just welcomed Georgie the day the um, AFL and, and Victoria announced uh, a full lockdown. We, Georgie was born um, the next morning at 12.30 a.m. So, wow. yeah, we, we had a, uh, a newborn baby and, and, and obviously COVID for two months. So it kind of worked out well in terms of being around her nonstop, mm. but um, it was a challenge. And then obviously having to relocate and, and move to Perth for three weeks, being away from – from Georgie and Kim, and then obviously we settled in Queensland. And I feel like the AFL did a really good job to get it going, and the fact that they were able to complete a season was great. Um, but there was definitely challenges where, um, you know, you just wanted to, you know, live a somewhat normal life. I know we were, um, you know, not not complaining at all because I know our family and friends back in Victoria were really struggling. They had the full lockdown rules, but, um, you know, being away from them was probably the biggest challenge because we knew we were kind of living somewhat normally in Queensland, albeit we did have restrictions. Um, it was still a challenge knowing that we were able to do that and our friends and family, you know, were stuck not being able to do that in Victoria. So kind of felt guilty in a way, but, um, you know, to be able to live through that and, and play through that and have the adversity that we did, it was something that, yeah, you look back and think, wow, um, what a crazy ride and year that was. Was it hard to stay disciplined in terms of training through those eight weeks of lockdown? Oh, it would have been for a lot of people. For me, no, because I'm a, I'm a self-driven, motivated person. I, I love training by myself. Um, so I loved it. I love training, keeping fit, just doing what I wanted to do. But, yeah, it was definitely challenging for a lot of guys. Yeah, absolutely. Talk us through your decision, obviously. Your partner, Kim, she went up and, obviously, you mentioned settled with your daughter, Georgie, in Brisbane playing Netball up there was obviously that would have had a massive impact on, I guess, what you wanted to do post that twenty twenty season. Uh oh yeah yeah, but obviously I've I've um 
I've publicly, uh, everyone knows that I obviously didn't want to leave Collingwood, so it wasn't my choice to leave. And unfortunately, that was kind of how it panned out. And I just had to, you know, I was in a position where I just kind of had to move on. So, um, yeah, when it came down to choosing a footy club, I was um, extremely excited to, to choose the Western Bulldogs and and then play for the Bulldogs. It was, um, you know, once I realised I was going there, it was, yeah, it was exciting for me. I, um, I, uh, I, I watched them from afar. They just played in a final series and lost to St Kilda in the Elimination Final and, you know, got a great group and a great list of guys, um, you know, on the list. So it was exciting for me when I knew that I was actually going there and, and to be able to play with Bonds and Tommy Vittore, Aaron Norton and yep. Tim English, Josh Dunkley obviously ends up being my best mate. It's um yeah it's uh it's been a an exciting uh, uh little chapter in my career and one that I have loved so far. So what's it like? Obviously, you got traded in that last minute of the trade period on deadline day. Can you talk us through the discussions? What's happening? Um, in terms of your position in that? Oh, I don't really have much of a say. Obviously, we've got managers and list managers. It's more. Yeah between those guys, but I'm just kind of waiting by the phone. That was probably what I was doing, really. I was just on the phone to my manager, Timmy, and, um, you know, I think the deal was um, last minute, but that was um, – I think it was always going to get done. So um, it just had to – it just happened to be the last minute. So fortunately it happened. Um, there was a little bit of stress here and there, but um, once the deal went through, it was, uh, you know, it was a reality for me, and, and here I was ready to be a Bulldogs player. What's it like? You mentioned before playing with guys like Aaron Norton, Jamara Hagen, uh, Marcus Bonham-Pally, Tom Luatore. What's that been like playing with such experience and I guess guys like Jamara and Aaron Norton who have such a massive upside? Yeah, you're spot on. The upside's incredible for those two. Great um, great talents those two boys are and going to drive the club forward, I think, for, for a long, long time and I love playing with them. Um, obviously, Libba being, you know, being such a – you know, being a part of the footy club where his dad was is a legend, and you know he's come in and um, had a tremendous career where he's fought adversity and, and one of the great human beings that I've ever met, and I love playing with him, and um, you know I love the fact that I'm, I'm able to run out with him, you know, week in week out, and then there's obviously Bont who is just you know he's one of one if you want to call it. Um, not many people have, you know, I don't think there's many players that people have seen like Mark Spontapelli, you can put him up there as, mm. you know, a generational player who, you know, he's going to be a legend of the game. He's probably already a legend. He's won five BNFs, should have won a Brownlow, all Australian yeah. premiership player. Um, he's just incredible player, incredible human being. Um, I didn't realize how good he was until I think I got there and, and seen firsthand how hard he works and how driven and motivated he is. So, um, someone I look back on and think, wow, when I retire, I'll be like, I got to play with, you know, the Bont, the guy that uh, is is a true champion on and off the field. Your first year at the Bulldogs, you averaged 23 disposals and almost a goal a game. Can you talk us through that year and that experience for yourself and how did you find it settling into a new club? Yeah, yeah. It was, again, daunting for me. I always had a bit of anxiety, but um, I loved it, mate. I loved obviously going through what I went through with the trade and then um, having to find my feet again, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a, um, you know, as I said, love playing with the guys and we had a, a really good season, made the granny obviously didn't win against the Demons, but um, had a great run, had a great final series. I was just extremely happy, mate. I was extremely happy to be going out there and playing and 
I'm playing with, um, you know, Josh Dunkley, who, as I said, is my best mate. And we, we became really close throughout that year and we loved running out with him and, um, you know, running side by side with him, playing with him. We always knew where each other was on the footy field and um, he'll always say he gave me the ball a little bit more, which he probably did. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was always um, great running out with those guys that year and um, truly felt like, uh, you know, that is a special group that I look back on again. And I don't know the guys talk about it internally about how, how great of a group we were in 221 and um, what an exciting year it was for us. So when you look at that list from 2021, obviously you mentioned your best mate, Josh Dunkley there. And how does losing in those kind of grand finals just add, I guess, fuel to your belly and fuel to the fire to be able to succeed even more? Oh, it yeah. It, it Being so close to, to tasting grand final success and um, not being able to do it is you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it's the reason why I play. When you get older, you you start to narrow in on what you want to achieve and that's wholeheartedly what I want to achieve, you know. I just want to win a premiership. It's the reason why I'm still playing. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be playing. And um, I think we have a great group. I think we've got the group to do it um, across the whole field. I mean, we've, we've shown capabilities, um, you know, over 22 and 23 season, but... We've just not been able to do it for long enough. And um, I know that's probably been the frustrating things for us and our fans, but um, I still thoroughly believe in the group that we have. And, and as you said, we've added James Harms and Nick, um, Nick Caulfield and um, you know, the draft is to come. And we've got Mara and, and Naughty coming through. Sam Darcy, someone we haven't touched on, who's, who's just going to be a star. Mm. Um, you know, the Bont's in a great um, age bracket. You know, there's so many good players that, um, are going to keep driving this group forward and, and hopefully push us to the success that we want, especially, you know, for me being one of the more experienced guys, it's just what I want to achieve. So, yeah, it definitely adds a lot to fire to the Valley being so close to winning, but um, still trusting the process and, and the journey along the way. So obviously when you look at it on paper, there's a lot of elite talent on paper. What are the discussions like post-season around the club and I guess through those exit interviews? Oh, it's just about how we probably left a little bit, um, a little bit out there, a little bit out there in the season that we just had. You know, our best footy was good enough, but then our worst footy was, you know, very poor, and mm-hmm. um, that was probably reflective in some performances where we lost to some some bottom ranked teams on the ladder. Um, yeah, so that's probably where the discussions were. I think, um, you know, we've we've had a uh, uh, we had a really good chat about you know what we want to achieve you know, what we want to achieve when we get back. And, you know, hopefully everyone comes back with the same mentality and, and, and the mindset to want to achieve that. Um, and, I, and I've got no doubt the guys will. So, um, you know, the off-season, yeah, it's great to relax and have a break. But um, I know I've got no doubt the boys are really itching to get back and put their best foot forward. Absolutely. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. Um, just one last thing before I let you go. Um, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to be an elite athlete like yourself and try and make that AFL level? Ooh, oh, well, it depends on what what age you are. I think when you're young, when you're real young, so when you're 11, 12, 13, you probably, I genuinely believe, well, one, you've got to enjoy it. You never want to lose the enjoyment of the game. That's probably yep. the biggest challenge as you get to the um, high-pressure, highly scrutinised AFL that it is today. Um, when you're younger, just learn to love it. But I think from a footy sense, the basic fundamentals is probably what probably is what will separate you 
from your peers because um, yep. you know when you get to 16, 17, 18, that's when athletically you start to develop different attributes and traits. But if you mm. can develop your individual, um, you know, skills, you know, kicking, handballing, marking, clean hands, um, ground balls, areas of the game where if you've got if you're good in that area, that can really set you apart from other guys. I think that's just, that's what will put you in good stead. And then I think, as I said, when you get to the age of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, when you athletically start to develop, then starting to hone in on those skills and, you know, making your one wood, um, always making that stronger, um, never thinking, oh, well, I've got speed. I don't need to work on it. No, it should never be like that. It should always be, you know, continue to grow that side of things while still try and develop areas where you're not overly strong at. Um, yep. That would probably be my advice. But then, as I said, as you get older, being able to still enjoy it, love it, um, you know, don't – do not take it too serious. As I said, the minute you fall out of love with the game is the minute you probably stop playing. And, um, you know, as I said, the high pressures of being an AFL player and living in that lifestyle, there's definitely challenges. Um, nonetheless, I've loved my journey and love being an AFL player and I wouldn't change it for anything. But, yeah, just to love the game and, and really appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute honour to uh, have you on the show and best of luck for the off-season and next year too. Thanks, Max. Thanks so much, Adam. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.